All right, so uh, thank you. I, I'm just going to uh, minister today something about faith. And the reason I'm going to do that is because the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So we all need to build our own faith. And do you know something? You cannot rely on Pastor Peter's faith or, or, or Paul's faith or Neil's faith or anybody else's faith, your mother's or your best friend's or whatever. You've got to build your own faith. And this is something that it takes a deliberate choice and deliberate decision and a deliberate uh, step to do. And so this is something that I uh, appeal to you to build your own faith. Because God wants you to be an instrument of miracles. He wants you to be blessed and to be a blessing. But for you to receive all that God has, you can only receive it by faith. And this is the second reason why I want to speak about faith to you. Everything we get from God, we get by grace. What do I mean by that? We get because of what Jesus did for us. We don't get anything from God because of our performance. We get stuff from God because of Jesus' performance. So you can be the best little goody two-shoes the world's ever seen, but if you don't have faith, you're not going to get as much as the person who has grown their faith. And so if you want more from God, the only way to get more from God, because he's absolutely given you everything... Your pastor said that twice already today. God has already given you everything. But the only way you can receive it, it's by grace through faith. And so I want to help you have some understanding about what faith is and how to put your faith into action. Listen to this, the Jerusalem Bible, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Only faith can guarantee the blessings we hope for or prove the existence of realities that at present remain unseen. So only faith can make real the desires of our heart that we see in the Word of God. Not the desire to win the lottery. I'm not going to win the lottery. Do you know why I'm not going to win the lottery? Because I don't buy lottery tickets. Do you know why I don't buy lottery tickets? Because I don't believe in luck, I believe in Jesus. I don't believe in chance, I believe in Him. So I'm not trusting the world system to, uh, uh, to bless me. I'm trusting God to bless me. I'm doing my finances God's way, not the world's way. And I actually went on two TV shows. I won a silver tray, which I gave to my rich brother because the silver tray was too hoity-toity for my wife and I. Uh, that was sale of the century. <laughs> what was the other TV show I went on? I forgot. Oh, Millionaire. That's right, I went on Millionaire, you know. And, oh, talk about a stinker. Uh, you know, the, the, the person in front of me passed, and so I couldn't pass. And once they pass, I can't pass. And then, you know, of all the questions he asked that night, I knew 99% of them, but the one he asked me, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> so how good was that? You know, where was God then? What he was doing, he was sitting up in heaven having a laugh, saying, Nick, I thought you said you don't believe in luck. <laughs> You believe in Jesus. What are you doing here? <laughs> anyway, uh, faith is being confident about something that you want to happen that is promised in God's Word. That's what faith is. And even though you can't see it, you still believe it in your heart. 
Even though your body's in pain, you still believe by the wounds of Jesus I'm healed. Hallelujah. Even though that uh, prayer hasn't been answered yet, you still believe that it will, whether it takes a day, a week, a year, or whatever time it is, you're holding on to God. You're believing beyond what your feelings can say and what your circumstances declare. So I want to just use an acronym, if you pardon me using an English word, a technical word, uh, of the word faith and talk to you about F-A-I-T-H. So faith is founded on God and his unchanging nature. The reason faith works is not because we're so great and we're so big and strong in faith, It's because of who he is. It's because he is faithful, he is true, he is powerful, he is loving, he is kind, he is good, he is gracious, he has promised it in his word. If he's promised it, he's committed to doing it. I mean, sometimes in my devotions, one of the things I go to uh, on a regular basis is to pray through the Jehovah names of God. And if you know what those uh, Jehovah, the covenant names are, for example, you might have heard of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. You might have heard of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Ezer, the Lord our help. And, and the linking of these Hebrew words with Jehovah, Jehovah doesn't just mean Lord, but Jehovah uh, in the way that it's used, meaning the faithful God who is committed to be this in your life. So that when you are poor, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is committed to help you get out of poverty into a place where you can be blessed to be a blessing. He's committed to that. But if we haven't got the faith to receive it, then we stay in the circumstance we were. When you are sick, he is committed by covenant. A covenant is a higher rank uh, level of relationship than a contract. You break a contract, you don't break a covenant. And when you are sick, God says, I am your Jehovah Rapha. I am committed to be your healer. Well, if he's committed to be our healer, why aren't we healed? Well, it's not because of him. He's already paid the price through Jesus. And if you comprehend that healing is in the atonement, healing is part of the package that Jesus purchased for you when he suffered, when he was wounded, when he died on the cross and triumphed after it. He said, I didn't just buy forgiveness of sin. I also bought the healing of their body. I bought the restoration of their soul so they can overcome grief and fear and depression and all those inner things. I overcame so that they could have peace in every area of their life, in their circumstances, in their finances, in their relationships, etc., etc. Jesus said, I didn't just come to give them eternal life, I came to give them abundant life. And if something in your life's not good, then it's not from God. Amen. Sickness is not from God. God is not using sickness as a way of teaching people stuff. He uses his word and his Holy Spirit and he uses his anointed people to teach us stuff, not sickness. Jesus treated sickness as from the devil. He went about healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. Didn't say he went to heal all those who were sick 
because they were being taught a lesson by God and by the time Jesus got there, Jesus realised the lesson from God was over so he could heal them. No, he said they were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is not a gift from God. And so we've got to understand the nature of God. We've got to have faith in who God is. We've got to have faith even in the fact that when we are not faithful, he is still faithful. Even if I hadn't read my Bible this week, God will still bless me. Even if I haven't prayed in the last three days, God will still bless me. You know, because my, my blessing is purchased by Jesus based on what he did, not based on what I do. And so this is how faith is founded. Whenever faith, you put it in yourself and your relationship with God, you're going to fall short of the mark and you're not going to have enough faith to receive the blessings and miracles that God wants to give you. But when you get your eyes off yourself and off people and off circumstances and you've got your eyes totally on him and you say, God, you are so amazing. You are rich and you are powerful and everything you've got you sent Jesus to make available to us. And Lord, so I just come to you to receive what Jesus has purchased for me. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? You know, if you could just go into a shop and say, oh, look, uh, you know, I've paid off my lay-by, so I'm here to pick my gift up because it's already paid for. Now I can come and pick it up. Anyone know what a lay-by is anymore? Uh, okay. Uh, all right. I don't think afterpay is a good idea. I think that's going to get people in debt. Anyway, okay, F, faith is founded on the Word of God. A, faith is active confidence in God's word. So firstly, look at this uh, confidence. It's active confidence. So faith is a, having an expectation. I mean, when you come to church, and can I say, what a great church, great musicians. Thank you guys and girls for, you know, the, the ministry there and for everyone joining in and so forth. And, and the atmosphere in this place is great for God to have his way and do what he wants to do. And, you know, you're going to be set free of your pain today. You're going to be healed of your sickness today. You're going to walk out of here blessed today in Jesus' name. And, but you've got to come to church with that expectation. You've got to come to church saying, God, oh, something's going to happen today. God, people's lives are going to get changed today. You know, that's what faith is, expectation. But it's a confident expectation. And, and faith is not a feeling. It's an attitude. And it's a choice. So I might, maybe things are a bit tough in my life right now. That's what Pastor Peter was talking about earlier as well. We raise a hallelujah. I praise the Lord anyway. And when I praise the Lord and put my focus on Him, my problems get a little less uh, big than what I thought they were because my eyes are now on the giant killer, not on the giant Goliath, but on the giant killer that is God. Hallelujah. And so, you know, my faith rises. When I look at the problem, my faith sinks. When I look at God, my faith rises. Hallelujah. And so there's, a, there's an attitude of heart. I'm going to believe no matter what is going on around me. I'm going to believe for God to step in at any moment and sort all this out. Hallelujah. And I'm confident God's going to do that because I'm confident I'm with him and he is with me. And I'm confident if he is faithful and he is real and he is wanting to show up in my life. Amen. Listen to this, uh, Jeremiah 1.12. God watches over his word to perform it. 
So you keep your eyes not only on God, but on the promises of his word. Isaiah 55, 11, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. My word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When you put your faith in God and in his word, the Bible says his word will not return to him void. So when you pray the promise of God back to God, it will not return to him void. He will act on that that you are reminding him of and he will produce the miracle that is in accordance with his promise and his word. You've got to have this attitude of faith. When I do what the Bible says, God will do what the Bible says. I want you to say that after me. I'll say it first, you say it after me. When I do what the Bible says, God will do what the Bible says. When I do what the Bible says, God will do what the Bible says. When you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. When you sow, you will reap as you may have sown in the offering today. When you ask, it will be given to you. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be open to you. And this is the kind of attitude of faith that you've got to have. You've got to be expecting results when you pray and when you act in faith, when you act in love. You expect, Lord, I'm doing what your word says, so, Lord, I believe for the results that your word promises in my life. I've got a plaque at home that says this, Faith is not believing God can. Faith is knowing that he will. Faith is not believing that he can. Faith is knowing that God will do what you're believing him to do, what you're asking him to do, what you're reminding him of the promise in his word that he has said he would do. And look, Christianity and faith are not on and off things. You're not a believer one day and an unbeliever the next. You don't have faith one day for something and, and then have a month in negativity and then come back to faith. You've got to stay in faith no matter what the circumstances of life uh, are around you. Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away your confidence or your faith. It will be richly rewarded. If you hold on to faith, no matter what and no matter for how long, you will be richly rewarded. So let me just give you... Um, an idea of, of how you are to use your faith because the Bible says faith without works is dead. And uh, so you've got to keep doing some things by faith in order for God to come through for you. Remember this scripture in Matthew. It says, uh, The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people lay hold of it. Miracles aren't going to happen if you are not active in faith. Miracles are not going to happen if you are not aggressive in faith. Aggressive, believing that what's yours is mine. Lord, it's mine. I'm not taking no for an answer like Jacob wrestling with the Lord at the river Jabbok. He said, I won't let you go till you bless me. That's the kind of attitude of faith you've got to have, a bulldog, aggressive faith. Lord, this is mine. It's not based on my performance. Because if I go on my emotions, if I go on, you know, whether I'm a goody two-shoes or not or this or that, I can always find fault with myself and then deplete my faith by looking at me. But if I'm looking at him, I can have confidence. 
Lord, you've already decided the blessing is mine, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. And so in order to get your miracle, you've got to take the land. You've got to be aggressive and assertive in your faith to say, Lord, this is mine. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? It says she was weak in her body. She was broke. She, you know, she was sick. She could have said, look, oh, there's a big crowd out there. Forget it. I don't want to be in a crowd when I'm sick. I want to be home in bed. You know, but no, she took her sick old body and said, come on, man, we're going to go get our uh, miracle. And she used her sick, weak body, you know, and pushed the way through the crowd to get her miracle. The four friends who put the hole in the roof, you know, they were determined to get their miracle. And this is what you've got to have that kind of bulldog assertive faith. Let me give you a definition. Faith is knowing the will of God and doing it. So faith is not just internal. Faith is what you do. There was, there was a time when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son and after he put the knife up and then God said, you don't have to do it. There's a little phrase in Genesis chapter 22 and the Lord says, now I know. God said, now I know. Well, he's omniscient. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows eternity past to eternity future. But, but he put that statement in there to say, actions mean more to God than intentions. Faith is not intentions. Faith is actions. And God saw Abraham put the knife up and he said, now I know. When he sees you put your faith into action, God will say, now I know they really believe. Like the little old lady that gave her last two cents. I don't know why the rest of the story isn't there. I wish it was there. But I reckon I know what happened. I reckon when she got home, there was a bunch of groceries on her front doorstep. I, I bet the next day, somebody knocked on her door and said, Oh, hi, I'm your rich cousin. You know, I've been away in Arabia for 35 years, but I've decided to come back and you're my only living relative. So I would like you to come and live with me in my new palace, I mean house, uh, that I have down in the best part of town. Uh, I've just come to help you shift. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that would have happened to that lady, I'm telling you. <laughs> that really is. Faith is knowing the will of God and doing it. You've got to be a do person. And uh, giving is one of those things. Given it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Amen. Faith is hearing the voice of God and obeying it. That's why I said before, pray less junk and listen more. You've got to be led by the Spirit. The sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit. And you can be led by the Spirit in some way, small or great, every day of your life. You can, you can just have somebody come into your, your, your mind and, you know, it's your, it's your cousin that you haven't spoken to for two years and, and somehow you sort of think, you know, I, 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 I need to ring Janie. And you ring Janie up and she says, oh, man, it's such a bad day. It's so nice to hear your voice and so forth like that, you know. There are ways the Holy Ghost can communicate with you to keep you in the flow of miracles and in the flow of blessing. So hearing the voice of God, whether it's through the Bible, 
he speaks to us through the word or by his Holy Spirit or, you know, somehow we know God is speaking to us and obedience is rewarded. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it, it says in Luke. In James it says, he who looks carefully into the perfect law and faithfully abides by it, not being a careless listener who forgets what the Bible says, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favoured by God in what he does. Can you say amen? So this is what you've got to do to use your faith. Now here's another way to use your faith. Faith is knowing the word of God and saying it. Faith is knowing the will of God and doing it. Faith is hearing the voice of God and obeying it. But faith is also knowing the word of God and saying it. So when we minister to the sick, uh, you know, as I go around the world, I've seen amazing uh, miracles, pain issues have been healed all over the world. It is a special spiritual gift that I've asked God for. Can I ask, are, are there people in this room right now that you've got actual pain in your body right now? Could you just put your hand up? There's one. Only one, two, three, four, okay, five, okay. Well, you're not going to go home with that pain. It's going to go. Amen. You're going to be healed in Jesus' name. And uh, uh, now one of the ways it'll go is when you put your faith into action and you start saying with the words of your mouth, thank you, Jesus, by your wounds I am healed. Thank you, Jesus, by your punishment I have peace. Not just in my heart, but in my body and in my life. And then you start saying with the words of your mouth, pain, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Peace, I command you to come in Jesus' name. You know, our faith is expressed through our obedience, through our doing what God wants us to do, through our stepping out in faith, like praying for the sick or giving or whatever it is. But it's also faith is expressed by the words of our mouth. And so we thank God that Jesus has purchased our healing. We thank God he's purchased our peace. We thank God that pain has to go because he is the name above all names. Amen. And, uh, you know, there's many, many sermons been preached about, um, uh, you know, the power of words and so on like that. In Job 22:28, it says, You will decide and decree a thing and it will be established for you. What that says is that when you begin to speak something, and it's something that you believe, something that you see in the Word of God and you speak over your own life, it says it will be established. It will stand up in front of you. It will be manifest as a reality in your life. Hallelujah. Now, the basis of faith, I, F-A-I, is intimacy with God. It's spending time with God. And so one of the ways for you to uh, build your faith is to look at your diary and say, how much time do I have for God in my life? And uh, now, if you're really pressed for time, make your car your chapel. Yep. You know, I've had some of the best prayer times of my life yep. praying in tongues in the Spirit uh, in my car and, and a number of those times have been coming up here to Toowoomba. And uh, uh, I had a friend of mine, he was rushed into hospital. This is Pastor Ralph Blakely, for those of you that know him. Pastor Ralph, uh, he's now got a church in Highfields. 
and uh, he was rushed into hospital. He was laid flat on the bed. He had a massive blood clot and they were pumping blood thinners into him because if that blood clot went anywhere near his heart or his brain, he'd be instantly dead. And uh, they were very concerned about him. And so I drove up and I'm praying in tongues all the way and about an hour into the journey, praying with fervour in the spirit, and the Lord said to me, he said, "Uh, I don't want you to go up there and pray for your friend. I was like Abraham. I was confused because I knew that was the voice of God. Abraham knew it was the voice of God. But never in his wildest dreams did he expect God to say, I want you to take your son up and sacrifice him. He knew that voice, but he didn't expect the voice to say that. That's the opposite of what he expected the voice to say. And, uh, and I heard the voice. And it said, I don't want you to go up there and pray for your friend. And uh, I instantly knew what God was saying to me. He said, Nick, I want you to go up there and minister to your friend. So what was he saying? Don't go up there and pray one of these emotional, faithless prayers. What do I mean by that? You go to the hospital and you say, Oh, dear Ralph, you know, uh, Angela and the kids must be so worried about you. Thank God you're in hospital. Oh, dear God, please give peace to everybody because everybody's upset. And Lord, it is so upsetting. Lord, this is a life and death issue. God, Ralph could die right now in the middle of my prayer. And oh, boy, wouldn't everyone be sad if that happened? And oh, Lord, please don't let that happen. Oh, and Lord, please, you know, give the doctors wisdom. And Lord, give them, Lord, a blessing, Lord, and and help them to do the best job they possibly can. And, And, you know, and so there's all this emotional guff. And what God said to me, he said, Nick, I don't want you... I wasn't going to pray that way, I can assure you of that. I was not going to pray that way. (laughs) But, you know, God said, I don't want you... What he was telling me was, Nick, I don't want you to just go up there and ask me. Do you know something? When Jesus went out to minister, he never prayed for one person. You cannot find anywhere in the life of Jesus where he prayed for anybody. Whenever he got to the time of ministry, he just commanded healing upon them. Why? Because when he spent his alone times, that's when he prayed for them. When he was alone with God, he said, Lord, there's lots of needy people I'm going to meet tomorrow. And Lord, I want you to just fill me with power and bless every one of them. and Don't let any of them go home disappointed. That's what he did when he was alone. But when he was with the person... He didn't pray at that time. He he didn't come up to the blind man and say, oh, okay, you're blind. Well, well, let's have a prayer. Let's agree in prayer. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, myself and our dear friend who's blind. And Lord, we we pray that uh, you're in a good mood today. We pray that uh, you're not too busy with everyone else's requests. Lord, we pray that you'll see the blindness Uh, Lord, it's more important than someone else just having to pay their electricity bill. Lord, can you just put us up a bit higher in the in the in the answering list and and so on like that? You know, he never prayed like that. He'd already prayed to God, 
and the night before, and he didn't pray like that before God either the night before. He said, God, you know, we're going to shock the devil tomorrow. We're going to kick the devil out of people's lives. You know, pain's going to go. Sickness is going to go. You know, eyes are going to open because you've anointed me to bring freedom to the captives and sight to the blind. And he's quoting his job description back to God in prayer. And then when he comes down to the point of ministry, he says, eyes open. He says, ears open. He says, devil, shut up and get out. Hallelujah. And that's what God was saying to me on the car. He said, Nick, don't go up there and pray. Go up there and minister. So when I got up here and I went to the hospital, I commanded the blood clot to dissolve and disappear and, 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 and restore Ralph to health and well-being and so forth. And the next day they discharged him and they couldn't figure out what had happened to the blood clot. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And that's happened to people all around the world. You know, I can tell you that when you are, you know, the Bible says this, it says those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. When you are intimate with God, when you spend time with God, and I can tell you there's been times in my life where, you know, my wife goes to bed a couple of hours normally before I do. She gets up earlier than I do. That's good with me. She has her quiet time in the morning and I have my quiet time at night. But, you know, there, there, there were plenty of times when she goes to bed and I'm halfway through a movie or something or other like that and I would much prefer to spend the next couple of hours watching my TV. And there are nights when I do do that. But there's also been more nights when I've turned the TV off and I've said, okay, God, the next couple of hours are for you. <laughs> the next couple of hours are for the word. The next couple of hours are for prayer. The next couple of hours are for listening to God and asking God questions. Hallelujah. That's when I prayed for you in those night times, in my own quiet time. Prayed for you to be healed. Prayed for you to be set free. Prayed for you to be blessed. Prayed for you to be encouraged. Prayed for you to be built up in your most holy faith. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, so, and, and, and during those times when I have taken that decision to turn off the TV and watch some sermon on YouTube, read my Bible or just do my own prayer and waiting on God and worship with YouTube and, and just instrumental music and all of that, when I've chosen to do that, God has spoken to me. And sometimes it was a real word in season. It was exactly what I needed to hear at that time in the situation I was in. But if I had not taken the time to turn the TV off and to spend that time with God, I would not have heard from God in that way. And then I would have been complaining, saying, God doesn't love me, he never speaks to me. What is it? Why is God speaking to everybody else and he's not speaking to me? Because I'm not giving him a chance to speak to me. I'm not listening to him. Why, is it, why if I feel weak in faith and others feel strong in faith? Because I'm not building my faith. But when I get the word into me, faith grows from the word of God. So this is what it's about. You know, when you spend time in the presence of God, you are transformed. Beholding, we are changed, the Bible says. You are equipped, you are anointed, you are empowered. And then you go out from the presence of God feeling, hallelujah, I'm ready to take on the Goliaths, I'm ready to take on the lions. You know, as a child of God, you're entitled to the blessing of God 
and you're entitled to the equipping and anointing and authority and power of God to do the Father's works on earth. Can you say amen? You receive the benefits of sonship, which are the blessings, but you also receive the benefits of sonship to do the Father's works, to do the works of God on the earth, which is the partnership. Partnership with God comes out of relationship with God. You don't have partnership with God without relationship. And so you have that intimacy uh, is the basis upon which we receive our anointing and our impartation. The T in faith is for total trust. Like a child has in their heavenly father. You know that God will never hurt you, never leave you, never fail you, never forget you. You know who he is in you through Christ. You know who you are in him. And you trust that even if your boat's rocking a bit. Uh, Paul was telling me about uh, how he's been using Romans 8.28 with the men's group. Uh, and uh, uh, God's the one who works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so if you want that verse to be fulfilled in your life, you need to be a lover of God. And you need to be in alignment with your divine assignment, called according to his purpose. Lord, I'm doing my best to live my life that what you have prepared for me. And so, Lord, I believe that as I'm doing my part, you're going to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. And there are those times, like I prophesied to our brother there, where we need to get our mind out of the way because it's bringing confusion, it's bringing doubt, it's bringing fear. And we have to subdue our mind, trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not to your own understanding. The biggest battle I've had in my life has not been with the devil, it's been with my own mind. And maybe that was the devil and my own mind together. Do you know what I mean? That's where he gets into, he gets into your head. And as many times, I would say thousands of times, then I have said, devil, get the hell out of my head. What did I say? Somebody tell me, what did I say? Devil, get the hell out of my head in Jesus' name. Amen. And I've said it thousands of times. Devil, get the hell out of my head in Jesus' name. And do you know what? He's got to go. <laughs> Resist him and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. And so uh, there are times when you've just got to trust God. And you've just got to, even though you can't see anything happening, you don't understand why things are the way they are, you've still just got to trust him. You've got to offer the sacrifice of praise. And, and this was the thing that in Isaiah 54, there was a desolate woman. She didn't have any children. She was ridiculed by the other women in the village. She was desperate. She's getting older and so on. And the Lord says to her, sing a new song of praise to the Lord and put a new room on the house. And uh, she did both those things, the spiritual thing and the practical thing, because God said he was going to give her more children than, uh, than she could... Uh, uh, manage so that's pretty awesome isn't it so you've got to act in faith and not be crippled by your feelings or by circumstances or by your mind you've got to rise up above those things and hold on to God in faith so that's what the H is for uh, holding on to God holding on to his word and not giving up uh, no matter what the situation is no matter how long it says the Bible says that God is not a man that he would lie, nor a human being that he would change his mind. Does God speak and then not act as he promised and not fulfill? He will fulfill. But we've just got to stay in faith until that fulfillment is manifest. We've got to stay acting in faith. 
obeying in faith, speaking in faith. And no matter what our emotions or our thoughts or our circumstances are saying, we just keep saying and keep believing what God's word says. Amen? Now, I can't teach on faith without referring to the uh, scriptures that Kenneth Hagin wrote in the Bible. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, it was 2,000 years before Kenneth Hagin was born or something, you know, but, but anyway, he was the one who made these verses famous. Mark 11, 22 to 24, they are not easy scriptures to live up to. You have to build your faith to be able to receive the benefit of what... This is Jesus speaking. This is not Kenneth Hagin speaking. This is not hyper-faith. This is not crazy Christianity. Blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, you know. It is not that. This is Jesus talking. And this is what he says. Have faith in God. Some translations will say have the faith of God. So you can say, God, please, give me a dose of your faith for my situation. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain such as pain or some other sickness or poverty or strife or addiction or depression, whatever, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, you can doubt in your mind without doubting in your heart. You can be absolutely convinced of who Jesus is and what he has done, but have thoughts come into your mind that are contrary to that, and that's when you say, devil, get the hell out of my head. Don't let the doubt drop from here to here. So it says, go throw yourself into the sea, does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. It'll be done for you. If you say, thank you, Jesus, for my healing. If you say, pain, I command you to go and never come back. If you pray, sickness, leave and, and be totally healed and never touch my body again. In Jesus' name, it will happen because it's a promise of God's word. He's your Jehovah Rapha. He heals all who are sick and oppressed of the devil. And verse 24 Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And that's the hard part. You've got to believe before you get. You've got to say, Lord, I receive it. Now I'm not fighting for victory, I'm fighting from victory. Now I'm not fighting for healing, I'm fighting from healing. Saying, Lord, I thank you that by faith, what Jesus did is enough for me, I'm healed. Now I command my body to come into alignment with that in Jesus' name. So there's actually examples you can see in the Bible. Daniel gives us two in chapters 9 and 10, where God sends the archangel Gabriel to him and says, from the moment you pray, God answered. He says it twice in two different prayers in chapters 9 and 10. From the moment you prayed, God sent the answer. And we've got to have that kind of faith, that my prayer has touched God, I have the answer. And if you'll, if you'll do that, the biggest leap of faith people have to have is to believe for themselves on a personal basis. It's easy to believe for others, but only you can believe for yourself. And so to do that, you've got to throw off all the orphan spirit of 
shame and blame and fear and failure and you know name calling and all that you know you've got to you've got to rise up above all that and you've got to say you know i am a royal child of god amen i'm now a royal person who lives a royal priest the bible calls you <laughs> hallelujah and so you've got to believe that identity about yourself and 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 not be hindered there were years in my life as a christian where I could believe for everyone else and not for myself. I could easily minister to other people and not believe for myself. I could do that. But I had to overcome that in order to make the promises real in my own life. And you've got to do that. You've got to say, and so I'm going to get you to say these words after me. I'm finishing now. I want you to say these words after me. The promises of God are for me. Every promise in the Bible is for me. Every good thing from God is for me. Everything I need, Jesus bought for me. Everything I desire, Jesus bought for me. Now, if you believe that, you'll receive it. 